Well, good morning, friends. We're continuing our series from John, and we've been in this continuous invitation to imagine how our story is so much better than we think because it's been joined in Jesus to God's story. Uh, and this morning, the, the text that we'll be looking at in particular is John chapter 11, if you'd like to follow along. We'll be there uh, beginning in verse 1. And we're, uh, the sermon in the sentence really uh, is this, your story doesn't end. Okay? And so we're going to begin reading in verse 1. A man named Lazarus was sick, and he lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. So the two sisters sent a message to, G- to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. And when Jesus arrived in Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been dead in the grave for four days. Now, the first uh, three verses here were told three times something pretty definitively. Lazarus was sick. He was sick. Um, he was sick. He was very sick. And when Martha and Mary, Mary sent word uh, to Jesus, uh, they punctuated it and said, listen, your very dear friend, Lazarus, is sick. I mean, you better get here. I mean, he is really sick. Uh, and, and part of what uh, I was reflecting on in this passage this week um, is the fact that sin and, sec- sin and death affects all of us, right? It, it is the story of humanity, um, you know, from beginning to end, that sickness and death are a part of our experience. Uh, and we can sort of feel in this text immediately um, the pain and the tension that the sickness of Lazarus was creating um, for Mary and Martha, for his friends, uh, for his community, um, very relevant because all of us deal with sickness and death um, as a part of our lives as well, and certainly in the human story. Now, it's interesting that the text tells us that not only was he sick, not only did Lazarus die, but by the time that Jesus had gotten there to Bethany, he had been in the grave um, for four days. Now, there was a little tradition that kind of understood death as a, as, as a process. So some said that the soul would actually hover over the body uh, for four days. So it's, it's interesting that the text actually notes that it was the fourth day that Jesus arrived because there was no question. The morning had started in earnest. People had given up hope that there could be any sort of resuscitation. Lazarus was not mostly dead, like in Princess Bride. Like he was, he was totally dead. Okay? And so the, the impact of this was crashing in on the people. Now, I think it's important for us to recognize that death, I mean, this is the most relevant you know, topic that can be brought to any group of people because the death rate is 100%. It is the great equalizer. It does not matter who you are, what your background is, how much money you have, any other thing that you would differentiate yourself from the rest of humanity. We are all equal and humbled at the foot of death because all of us will die. It's 100%. Um, and really, all of our life has to be calibrated under the understanding that we're, we are time-limited. There is a, there is a, date, there's a date stamp um, on our existence and so uh, this is all bringing us, like, I think 2,000 years later into the moment where we see, man, this, is, this thing that was going on um, in this text is so relevant to our experience. Now, death is so universal that in some ways we come to think of it at certain level as normal, 
So we'll talk about people who have had their run. They sort of lived a good long life. You know, it's sad when they depart, but we sort of console ourselves with this idea, you know, that, well, after all, they, they at least had a good life. So we comfort ourselves uh, to some degree with this thought. However, when someone dies out of sequence, when someone dies young, when, when someone dies out of the sort of pattern that we expected, the horror of death crashes in in a different kind of way, as was the case here with Lazarus. He was obviously young enough um, that death was unexpected. It was not part of the normal course of things. And I think if we would actually pause for a moment and reflect, death is not normal in any, in any respect. So any of you that have lost loved ones, which I'm sure all of us have, uh, whether it be parents, grandparents, children, these kinds of things, we realize that even when we are at the funeral of someone who lived a long life, the, the depths of our mourning cannot be consoled just by the idea that they lived a long life. We still come face to face with the separation, the fact that there is a wrenching apart of relationship, that there is, that there is, a, there is a unbridgeable divide that is put into the middle of our history um, to which we cannot cross. And so I would suggest to you that that deep understanding, the, the way that we mourn, whether it is a young person or an older person, t- is, is very important to pay attention to because it, it speaks to the core desire of humanity that's been put in our heart, I believe, by God, that, that death is never normal. It is a horror and a defacing of God's good creation and of life itself. And I want you to note also in this interchange right at the beginning that even being friends, very dear friends with Jesus, did not, spare, did not spare Lazarus this experience, nor will it spare us, that, that whether we put ourselves in the category of being a good person or a bad, whether we are close to God or not, that the experience of death still cuts because the curse of sin and death hangs over every human soul. And we see all of this uh, in the storm that, that is gathering around this passage. We also see that Mary and Martha love their brother, just like we love those in our family and that are close to us. And when he got sick, their longing from the depths of their being in such soul-clarifying way was that their brother would live. So they, they wanted him to live. They were praying to God that he would live. They were doing all that they knew to do to help him to recover from his sickness. I'm sure they were consulting the physicians of their time. They were also reaching out with a hope that kind of went almost against the facts and hope itself that Jesus would do something about this. And so they reach out to Jesus because all of us long to live. It's woven into the DNA of the human experience that we want more life. And that, and that ultimately at the root of fear itself is this idea that something can be stripped away from us. Do you follow what I'm saying? So all of us know this deep fear and also longing for life to conquer death and for, for somehow for us to be spared the ravages of sickness and death. And Mary and Martha were no exception, praying for their brother's healing. We can relate to their worry and their distress because all of us long for the healing of those we love. We long maybe even in the larger sense, for the, all the pain and the suffering that is 
life itself and the world around us, all the brokenness, to be healed. We can feel the agony, actually, of Mary and Martha as they waited helplessly. So regardless of what other competencies that Lazarus had developed in his life to that point, uh, no, matter, no matter the greatness of the relationships and the love that existed between Mary and Martha and that family, they were brought powerless to this moment where sickness and death seemed to chart a course for their destiny to which they had no ability to reverse. Do you follow what I'm saying? The, the, the sickness and death, like nothing else, humbles us because ultimately we realize that despite the mental games that we've played with ourselves in so many respects to achieve mastery, that we are simply not in control of the outcomes, the length, the duration, the quality of our lives. And so oftentimes caught in this moment between control and the loss of it, as we wait in hope for something to remedy the deepest wrenching condition of the human experience, we often suffer. Because waiting, let's, let's face it, waiting often is the hardest part. You know, not knowing what the next moment or the one after that holds. And so we can feel the agony in this passage that Jesus now enters. And the scripture then tells us that although Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus, his relationship with them was real. He stayed where he was when he got the news for an additional two days. And when he finally arrived on the scene, we can feel the disappointment that you and I would share too. Uh, the confusion that Martha frames in this interchange, she, with tremendous courage, actually gives voice to the deepest question of her soul. When she says to Jesus, if only you had been here, my brother would have been healed. Sometimes in these moments when death and sorrow actually touch not the outer world, not even the next layer after that, but the inner world of our hearts. And this time the pathology report or the bad news or the tragedy or the pileup of life actually isn't someone else's experience. It isn't the news like it's actually our own. And we, with the sincerest parts of ourselves, cry out to God prayers that are even deeper than we can express in words. And we long for remedy to the, to the greatest train wrecks of our life. All of us ask the same question that Martha and Mary had to struggle with in these moments. Even in, their, even in their, their real relationship with Jesus. And it simply was is this. Where are you? Where were you in my waiting? Why didn't you answer the deepest prayer of my heart? Where was God when I needed him? You ever been in that place? You ever ask those questions? I talked to someone after the service this morning who told me, man, you know, my, my daughter got leukemia when she was 14, um, and she died. 
And so all of us have been in these places where we ask questions like these, usually silently, usually privately in the recesses of our heart because we know that the right answer, what the right answer is when we get to church. I know that I did when I came home as a 17-year-old to find the house too quiet and my parents' faces wet with tears and had a family meeting to find out that he had a brain tumor uh, that would kill him in nine months. I know I asked these questions as every facet of his dignity was stripped by the ravages of disease. I know I, I, know I asked these questions when I went to church and was told that God is love and that he's as near to us as the nearest prayer. And pain came crashing in in a way that it became a lens because it was not only my father dying in a room, but it was the pain of so many all, all around that suddenly I had eyes to see because pain and, pain and sorrow have a way of breeding vision right, and compassion. And we look around and realize that the pain and suffering, the private stories, the questions that come to us in the middle of the night are real. They're real. And it can feel sometimes as if Jesus simply is playing games like this, where he's waiting, he's, he's inactive in the middle of our most important moments. And I know the confusion that this question raised for me actually sent me on a journey of more than 10 years, um, of actually walking away from what I thought was a religious game to sort, of, to sort of try to explain away the deepest questions of human experience. So all of this is present when we read a story like this. And I want you to notice that when Jesus stepped into the middle of this scene, he saw Martha and Mary's weeping. He entered the middle of the wailing and the pain of friends and family and of community, of shattered dreams and of broken hopes. And the scripture tells us that a deep anger welled up within him and that he was deeply troubled. And he asked this question, where have they put him? And they told him, Lord, come and see. And then the scripture tells us that Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible, but probably the greatest depth of the heart and love of God. Because what we see in the face of Jesus about the character and nature of God is that God is angry at the defacing of death in his good world. He is deeply sad over the suffering 
that sin and death have brought to human experience. Death was not part of God's original creation. It entered because of human choices, because of sin, of coming short of God's good plan. Death is the consequence of human sin. The scripture tells us that death is an enemy. In fact, the last enemy over the human race. The scripture tells us that evil, suffering, and death are not from God. And the whole story of the gospel actually is about a God who refused to sit on the sidelines to sit out the spiraling decay of a humanity gone astray. He refused to sit it out. But he personally entered the world of sin and death himself in the person of Jesus, to put it right. This was a story, the true story of the gospel, that for some reason I missed as a teenager I believe that Jesus also weeps in this moment because people in the middle of this kind of pain so often cannot see the glorious future that awaits for them in God. As time-limited human beings, we simply cannot imagine what is next. We so often become paralyzed in the middle of what is and assume that it must be downhill from here. This is the experience of humans. And Jesus weeps not only because of the brokenness that caused their pain, but he also weeps for their lack of ability to see what God was doing actually right then and there in the middle of his life and ministry. It was just a mess. And God cries. And Jesus tells Martha, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after they die. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? The scripture tells us that Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. He commanded that the stone be rolled away. And then he shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. And what we see in this one moment with one ordinary man is so extraordinary because we see that death is an enemy that Jesus has actually come personally to defeat. In the raising of Lazarus, we see the demonstrated power, the death-defeating power of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. You see, this was the middle of Jesus' story, but there was 
the story that was still to come when Jesus himself, not Lazarus, would enter death, the deepest depths of human experience and brokenness at the hands of people just like you and me. He would willingly embrace that on the cross. He would die to break the power and penalty of sin. He would be raised on the third day by the power of God to come out the other side of death into a new kind of life, a new kind of physicality, what, what he called eternal life, the life that begins now and never ends. And in breaking the power of death by breaking the power of sin, he would be the one who could offer life, forgiveness, not just to one man in one moment, like Lazarus, but to all. Because in one moment with one ordinary man, Jesus shows that his own death on the cross, that his resurrection will bring the defeat of death and the resurrection for all. Think me for a moment. Lazarus came out of the grave. And as incredible as that moment had to be for him, obviously, and for all of his friends, what was going to happen to Lazarus? Yeah, he, came, he came back into the land of the dying to die again. But Jesus, in his death, in his resurrection, broke the power of death itself so that the kind of life, the kind of resurrection that he offers is forever. And so Jesus says to Mary and Martha, like I believe he's saying to us this morning, he's inviting us to take him to the places of our death, the places of our sickness, to do a personal inspection of the very needs, the deepest needs of our heart. And when anyone, anyone asks him to come and see the tragedy, the needs, the brokenness of our lives. He comes. And he, and when we lead Jesus to these places of our pain and death, he ultimately leads us through the sorrow, not around it, and ultimately to resurrection. He breaks the fear of death. He breaks the power of death. He breaks death. <laughs> because there will come a day when you will not just be dead. You will not just be mostly dead. You will be totally dead. And you will live again. You will live again. And the question becomes for each of us, like it was for Mary and Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe? Do you believe against all odds? Will you believe even in the stinking mess of the brokenness that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and he is the life?
and nothing will ever be the same again. 